Russia-Ukraine war leader of armed rebellion against Putin appears to re-emerge in video. Victoria Kim Lindsay Shuttle Aaron Mendel Helene Cooper Aishvarya Covey and Jolie Liston. Yevgeny V. Prigazin, the founder of the Wagner Mercenary Group, has been largely out of public view since his failed mutiny in June. He is seen in an unverified video seeming to recruit for operations in Africa. Here's what we're covering. The mercenary chief who led a short-lived mutiny against Russia's top military brass in June has emerged in an unverified video message posted on Telegram channels affiliated with his Wagner forces, appearing to recruit for the group's operations in Africa. The fate and whereabouts of Yevgeny V. Prigazin, the Wagner chief, have remained largely shrouded from public view since he led Wagner troops to seize military headquarters in southern Russia before leading them on an advance toward Moscow in late June. The rebellion, which Mr. Prigazin called off after 24 hours, marked the most significant challenge to Mr. Putin's authority in decades. Neither the authenticity of the video that surfaced Monday, nor when or where it was made could be determined. The video appeared to be the first glimpse of Mr. Prigazin since late July, when he appeared in unverified photos. A few days later, a recording circulated, with a voice that appeared to be his saying Wagner had paused recruiting while figuring out its next tasks. In the video, posted around the same time on a number of Wagner-affiliated accounts Monday night Moscow time, Mr. Prigazin is seen in fatigues holding an assault rifle in an unspecified location before a backdrop of a barren terrain with scant, low-lying brush. He said it was more than 50 degrees Celsius, or 122 degrees Fahrenheit. His location could not be confirmed but his whereabouts have been a regular source of mystery. He said in the video that the Wagner Group was carrying out search and reconnaissance activities making Africa freer, suggesting the group was recruiting for its operations in Africa. For years, Wagner has been expanding its reach in several African nations, particularly in the Central African Republic, where it controls large mining and timber interests. Last month, Mr. Prigazin praised the coup in Niger in a voice message on Telegram and offered Wagner's services to the country's new leaders. One of the leaders visited neighboring Mali, where about 1,500 Wagner troops are allied with the military regime there. The group has provided security to African presidents, propped up dictators and crushed uprisings, and has been accused of flagrant human rights abuses including torture and murder in the process. As payment for its services, it receives cash or lucrative mining concessions. The degree of operational control Mr. Prigazin maintains over the group, however, is unknown. Russia's defense ministry has demanded that Wagner fighters sign contracts instead with the military, and as a part of the deal brokered by President Alexander G. Lukashenko of Belarus, Wagner forces relinquished weapons and equipment before leaving Russia. Mr. Putin has also sought to draw a distinction between the Wagner rank and file and Mr. Prigazin, putting the blame of the failed mutiny strictly on the mercenary leader while keeping open the possibility of using the fighter's skills and experience. On Saturday, the Kremlin said Mr. Putin had traveled to the southern Russian city of Rostov-on-Don to meet with military commanders in his first publicized visit to the military hub since it was seized by Mr. Prigazin as a part of his coup attempt. Mr. Prigazin has apparently been in Belarus and was recently still able to travel to Russia. Last month, unverified images appeared to show him meeting with African leaders in St. Petersburg during a summit hosted by Mr. Putin. 
but his extensive media holdings, including a troll farm that figured prominently in Russia's interference in the U.S. presidential election in 2016, have largely been taken apart and state media has depicted him as a thug. He has also toned down his criticism of Russia's top military leaders. The State of the War A staggering toll the total number of Ukrainian and Russian troops killed or wounded since the war began is nearing 500,000, U.S. officials said. On the front line Despite grueling fighting, Ukrainian commanders say their forces are in better shape now than just months ago, while Russian troops appear worse off. F-16 fighter jets the Netherlands and Denmark said they would donate F-16s to Ukraine, the first countries to do so. The procurement of the American-made fighter jets has been a priority for Kyiv. The leaders from the five-member group of nations known as BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China and South Africa, will begin a three-day summit in Johannesburg on Tuesday, where they will discuss expanding the club that harbors ambitions of becoming a geopolitical alternative to Western-led forums like the Group of Seven. The latest gathering of leaders, President Vladimir V. Putin of Russia will appear virtually to avoid an international arrest warrant for crimes against humanity committed during the war in Ukraine has garnered a level of international interest rarely seen since the group was first formed 14 years ago. Russia's invasion of Ukraine and a trade war between Beijing and Washington have reinvigorated the debate over whether the bloc will remain a loose trade alliance or become a new international coalition. Dozens of countries have expressed interest in joining, including Argentina, Nigeria, Iran, Belarus, Saudi Arabia and Indonesia. The candidates are as diverse as the BRICS bloc, which represents 40% of the world's population and a quarter of its economy. China, the biggest economy in the group, favors expansion to shore up its own influence, while an isolated Russia needs new allies as it digs in for a protracted war in Ukraine. India and Brazil, with strong alliances among industrialized nations, favor a more cautious approach. South Africa, the smallest economy of the group, is pushing to have more African members and has invited more than 30 African leaders to join this year's meeting. These divergent views are likely to play out over the summit's other key question, so-called de-dollarization. The BRICS countries are expected to discuss how to decrease their reliance on the U.S. dollar as the currency of global trade while also balancing existing trade relationships. But the slow growth of the bloc's development bank, established in 2015 as a counter to the World Bank, is a sign that consensus will not come easily. The diplomatic challenges South Africa has faced over the summit reflects the geopolitical interests BRICS nations must balance, particularly the smaller countries that have to navigate their allegiances to more wealthy and powerful nations. Mr. Putin is wanted by the International Criminal Court, which accuses him of being responsible for the abduction of Ukrainian children and their deportation to Russia. He had planned on attending in person, but spared South Africa the dilemma of whether to arrest him by deciding to appear virtually. Even so, South Africa has continued to face pressure from its Western allies over its close ties with the Kremlin. In a show of neutrality, President Cyril Ramaphosa called for abducted Ukrainian children to be returned and the re-establishment of the Black Sea Grain Deal, which allowed Ukraine to export grain to the world, especially countries in Africa with food shortages. 
We have resisted pressure to align ourselves with any one of the global powers or with influential blocs of nations, he said in a televised address on Sunday. Ukrainian drones were intercepted over two parts of Russia, including near Moscow, Russian officials said early Tuesday morning, the latest in a Ukrainian campaign to bring the war to Russia's citizens across their border. Flights at airports serving the capital were stopped temporarily. In the Moscow region, two drones were shot down, Andrei Vorobyov, the regional governor, said on Telegram. One fell in Krasnogorsk, a town outside the capital, where windows shattered in a high-rise building and cars were damaged, though no one was injured, he wrote. The damaged high-rise was an apartment building, according to TASS, the state news agency. The other drone fell in nearby Chassi, Mr. Vorobyov said. The statements could not be independently verified. Ukrainian officials did not immediately comment on the drones, but Kyiv has increasingly demonstrated its ability to strike hundreds of miles inside Russia's borders. Flights were halted at Nikovo, Sheremetyevo, and Domodedovo airports, but service at all three had resumed by 6 a.m., according to TASS. Drones also briefly disrupted flights at two Moscow airports on Monday, https slash 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 live slash 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 road slash Russia Ukraine News War slash two Moscow airports closed briefly amid the attack Russia says mid equals URL share. Two other drones were electronically jammed and crashed in the Bryansk region, which shares a border with Ukraine, Russia's defense ministry, said in a statement, https colon slash slash t.me slash mod underscore Russia slash two nine six six five. Last week, Moscow said it intercepted a Ukrainian drone that then hit an exhibition center in Moscow's financial district. Russia's defense ministry has reported that more than two dozen drones have targeted Moscow and the surrounding regions since the beginning of July, an apparent attempt to make everyday Russians feel vulnerable, though they have caused only minor damage and few casualties. Separately, the defense ministry said Tuesday morning in a statement on Telegram that a Russian plane had destroyed a Ukrainian intelligence vessel near a Russian gas facility in the Black Sea. Ukrainian officials did not immediately comment and the claim could not be independently confirmed. The Black Sea has been a vital theater of the war since Russia's full-scale invasion almost a year and a half ago, with Russian warships there firing cruise missiles at Ukraine. But the naval conflict has heated up recently as Ukraine has expanded the size and reach of its drone force. Raising the stakes still higher, Russia withdrew last month from a deal allowing grain ships to pass to and from Ukraine, stepped up its bombardment of Ukrainian ports and made threats against civilian shipping from other nations trying to reach Ukraine. Even by the standards of an administration bursting at the seams with practicing Roman Catholics, General Mark A. Emili, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, stands out, he went to Catholic grammar school, his aunt was a nun and he attends Mass every week. Except, that is, on Sunday, when he was flying to Italy for an audience with the Pope. General Milley, President Biden's most senior military adviser and no stranger to high-level meetings, chatted with Pope Francis for about a half-hour on Monday about the war in Ukraine, fighting in Sudan and other topics. The loquacious general, whose tumultuous four-year term is set to expire on September 29, had tried before, to no avail, to get an audience with the Pope when he was in Rome meeting with military chiefs in March. So Monday's meeting, in the last six or so weeks when the general still has the status to get through Vatican City's heavily guarded gates, was especially important to him.
After the meeting, during which the two men discussed the Pope's work on behalf of Ukrainian children who were taken by Russia, the general expressed his admiration for the man he made sure to call the Holy Father. Aboard his flight to Edinburgh to meet with his UK counterpart, General Milley joked with reporters travelling with him that Pope Francis had taken his confession. Then he laughed. I was lucky enough to receive some blessings, he said. Confession would have taken too long. Alexei A. A. Navalny, the jailed Russian opposition leader, has urged his supporters to go to the polls in regional elections next month, even though landslide victories for the Kremlin are a near certainty across the country. In a blog post, Mr. Navalny on Monday called on Russians to vote for anyone on the ballot who is not a member of President Vladimir V. Putin's United Russia Party. It was important, he said, for Russians to continue participating in elections, because sooner or later, they will be held relatively freely in Russia. We must win them, Mr. Navalny went on. This will not happen if we persuade ourselves that elections have no meaning and significance and get used to not participating in them. Though the Kremlin has for years prevented almost all well-known opposition figures from getting on the ballot, Mr. Navalny's coordinated protest voting strategy of coalescing around one particular candidate showed in previous elections that an opposition movement could still influence political events. This time around, he said, repression has reached such intensity that the strategy no longer made sense, but there were still some opposition candidates on regional ballots who were worthy of support. Mr. Navalny's appeal came a day after protesters around the world, many of them Russian nationals, gathered to rally against Mr. Putin's grasp on power, Moscow's full-scale invasion of Ukraine and the ongoing detention of dissidents of the Russian state, including Mr. Navalny. The protests, which drew crowds in cities across Europe and in Australia, were organized by Mr. Navalny's anti-corruption foundation in coordination with local groups and time to commemorate the third anniversary of his poisoning. In Berlin, a small crowd of people marched from the hospital where Mr. Navalny was treated for his nearly fatal exposure to a military-grade nerve agent to the Brandenburg Gate in the center of the city. They carried signs and posters denouncing Mr. Putin and expressing support for Ukraine. I feel it's an important part of our work here to talk to people in Europe and the West, Leonid Volkov, Mr. Navalny's longtime chief of staff, said. Still, the turnout in Berlin, which is home to a large population of Russian immigrants and has become a hub for Russian exiles, was smaller than others had hoped. I feel like we still have quite a lot of supporters, but many are too exhausted, said Daria Dudley, a Russian national who lives in Berlin and has organized protests, including Sunday's rally, with Demokratije, a Russian-language anti-war group based in Germany. Russians who attended Sunday's rally said they felt some responsibility to speak out from the relative safety they felt in Germany, especially in support of opposition figures who are imprisoned. We, all people of Russian origin, are responsible at least for what is going on, said Natasha Ivanova, 49, who is Russian but has lived in Germany for decades. After Russia annexed Crimea in 2014, she said she could not continue to watch quietly, adding, I won't stop speaking because of fear. President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine arrived in Greece on Monday evening, his fourth stop on a European tour aimed at securing more support in his country's war with Russia during a symbolic week for his country. 
A day after receiving commitments of dozens of F-16 fighter jets from Denmark and the Netherlands, Mr. Zelensky traveled to Greece to meet with Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis and the leaders of nine Balkan nations on issues including security and integration with Europe. He also planned bilateral meetings with the Balkan leaders and Ursula von der Leyen, the head of the European Commission, the EU's executive arm. The agenda is everything we can do together to protect human life and freedom in our common European home, he wrote in a post on X, formerly known as Twitter. After hinting that, powerful things, were in the works for a week that includes Ukraine's Independence Day, Mr. Zelensky embarked on his latest diplomatic blitz over the weekend. Starting in Sweden on Saturday, he said he had reached an agreement involving the supply of armored vehicles and also asked for Gripen warplanes. On Sunday, Mr. Zelensky went on to the Netherlands, securing a pledge for 42 F-16 fighter jets, and later Denmark, which said it would donate 19 of the military jets. The Ukrainian leader traveled to Athens on Monday after thanking Denmark for its support in an address to the country's parliament and meeting with Queen Margrethe II and members of the Danish royal family earlier in the day. Mr. Mitsotakis met with Mr. Zelensky on Monday at his official residence in Athens, according to the Prime Minister's office. After the meeting, Mr. Zelensky said he and the Greek Prime Minister discussed certain priorities aimed at stopping this terrible invasion and referred to a Greek proposal to train Ukrainian pilots to fly F-16 fighter jets. We need the support of Greece for the preparation of our pilots for the F-16s, the Ukrainian leader said in a joint televised appearance with Mr. Mitsotakis, thanking the Prime Minister for his readiness to help us regain our freedom. Mr. Zelensky said that the details of the training would be worked out. Mr. Zelensky also thanked Mr. Mitsotakis for Greece's support for Ukraine's accession to the European Union and NATO. Mr. Mitsotakis condemned Russian attempts to redraw borders and said that atrocities committed in Ukraine by Russia should be punished. We unreservedly condemn war crimes, he said, adding that Greece and Ukraine were companions and supporters and that Greece had expressed active solidarity for Kiev from the beginning, both in humanitarian and military aid, and would continue to do so. Mr. Mitsotakis also said that Greece would contribute to the reconstruction of Ukraine, notably the port of Odessa, which had faced a number of assaults from Russian forces. Mr. Zelensky will later join a dinner attended by top European Union officials, including Ms. von der Leyen and the leaders of Serbia, Moldova, Montenegro, Romania, Kosovo, Bosnia, North Macedonia, Bulgaria and Croatia. Earlier on Monday, Ms. von der Leyen stressed the importance of integrating aspiring EU members in the Western Balkan region swiftly. We will keep bringing down barriers between our regions, she wrote on the X platform.